check check one two three four five six check 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 okay this is <clears throat> test audio for theology after dark the reboot theology after dark college years Hey guys, uh, this is Jacob Goff, and I'm broadcasting as Theology After Dark. Um, so this is, sorry, it's storming outside and some thunder just struck right as I began recording. Um, which maybe is good omens or terrible omens, one or the other. Probably one or the other. So, I'm just going to talk about my spiritual journey, my journey through evangelicalism, and in the early part of my adulthood, um, the things that I did, and the people I met, and the people who influenced me, and kind of uh, um, took me to the place that I am now, which is a intentionally sort of convoluted place. Um, so I was interested in uh, evangelical things. I grew up in a Baptist home, and um, we went to Baptist church, and that was multi-generational. Both of my parents had been involved in churches throughout their life. Um, it was in my dad's family a little bit more so than in my mom's family. Um, my dad's family was really involved with the church and deacons and, you know, the whole just about as involved as you can be with the church without actually being in the ministry. And so I was really drawn to the church when I graduated from high school. I saw it as a <clears throat> as sort of a passport to travel the world because uh, a lot of the exposure I'd had to overseas culture in my small town had come from... Um, organizations that were like connected to the church and even if I met uh, European people or interesting people it did seem like there was uh, like a way to bridge the distance gap was to begin talking about um, church and their Christian movements in their area it was just always a point of reference when I got to Europe I realized like, I spent maybe six months in Europe throughout my 20s, probably more than that, but not not by much. Um, and I realized that the church was more an architectural feature of Europe than, than it really felt like it was, uh, like, had the same level of grip over, like, communities and politics. Maybe politics I shouldn't speak on in European context, but... Um, it just didn't seem to be the beast that it, it is in the Midwest where 
and so this is what I think a lot of my draw to be involved with the, with with church related things came from, and that is that in small towns, uh, churches are sort of the only exposure to culture that a lot of uh, kids and you know at every age um, ever gets. It's like what else is someone going to be doing on a Wednesday night? Where else would they ever? go be around 20 or 30 other people. Um, it would be at some sort of sports game um, in a small town, or it would be at a church gathering in a small town. There's really, there's rarely uh, exceptions to that. Um, restaurants we have, obviously, um, but a lot of those don't really rise to that, to the level of like neighborhood, pub, communal, like repeated familiar faces type um, situation that I think churches uh, are really good at um, cultivating. And I think that's such a special type of group setting uh, when you have people that are, you know, 20 to 30 and just a general idea. I mean, it could be, it could be less or more. It's just like that repeated regular exposure to uh, different ideas um, that are constantly sort of grooving in and out. And I think, and I think that has to do with, I think the joy that comes from that is the potential, uh, that people living in a close proximity to one another can really deeply kind of fuse their ideas and their, um, their work together and create new and interesting things. And so that's like the deep, joy that I've found over the last few years living in a small community is just that you can partner with people and try things and just do silly stuff that and not not feel like uh, there's a ton at risk because so little is happening in a lot of small communities um, so yeah I don't mean for this to be just about small communities but the rural and urban sort of tension dictated a lot of my early exposure like my early exposure to the inner workings of uh, evangelical culture in America and inner workings that's really tough to say it's like was my picture the real inside of the evangelical movement and like what is anybody talking about when they say evangelical movement? Isn't there just a million different ways to define that? Um, I think that there is, but... Um, so as far as I knew growing up, um, like, Billy Graham was the Pope in my family. Um, he was the evangelist and blah, blah, blah. And, and then furthermore, like Southern Baptist culture in general was kind of the guiding, um, default, like religion, religious sort of authority in, in sort of my family's mind. And, and I mean, not too explicit, we, they weren't super involved. Most of the churches kind of had their own like internal drama that, that I was involved in that it never it rarely rose to me having any awareness of, of the bigger puzzle pieces moving around. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, the Baptist, I, I felt like in my early twenties, I sort of invaded the Baptist, um, uh, like castle 
And then furthermore, uh, I became really close with uh, Billy Graham's grandson, Tullian, that many folks who are listening probably know or know of. And, um, and so in my sort of little world, uh, between my first gig and evangelical professional vocational world, um, was at the Journey Church in St. Louis, which was an influential Southern Baptist church. And then following that, I worked with Tullian, um, in a remote work type research role, um, for about a year, and then a few years later, I worked for him again, and um, so it was a really interesting picture of what, to me, was the inside of the inside of what evangelical movement means, and then over the years, like, since since I was deeply involved, which was maybe like six years ago, or five years ago, which is finally feels like a long enough gap <clears throat> that I feel comfortable to... Um, just talk kind of openly about it in a way that, so I described what the original podcast that I did with my friend Rich and my friend Brett and uh, I think my friend Dan also helped on that a little bit um, and my buddy Russ helped on that a lot and and so that was like an attempt at really a collaborative um, picture of this remote Christian movement where I sort of described it to a friend on Twitter last week like we it felt like we were burning the curtains lighting the curtains on fire from the inside which was a really fun sensation um but it it lasted about as long as you would expect um for someone who's lighting curtains on fire inside of a structure it's not the safest sort of spot to be in um but we sort of got our business done and then got out and then uh, the movement kind of started coming apart and then there were sort of um, faltering attempts that I made to keep the momentum, <laughs> the snowball rolling even though I think the snowball had melted to nothing at that point. Um, so it was a really interesting few years. And then like where I was, where I was at personally, I had been disconnected from any sort of local church community for a while, even when I was working within the evangelical world, like towards the end of it, I, I felt, you know, connected if I would go visit, um, a friend's church or something and, and, or, or go back to, to my church in St. Louis that I had been involved in for a few years or, 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 th or things like that, I could, I could sort of feel a, a, a temporary connection, but there was no constant connection to that community, community. and yet, um, this is kind of tough to say, just because it's, it feels like, uh, like summarizing a lot of much more nuanced things, but I do not feel like spiritual development stopped at any point. I feel like, in fact, it accelerated in a lot of ways in the years that I grew disconnected from my early adult, like evangelical roots. And so now I'm in this kind of interesting spot where the narrative is kind of coming back around and in unexplainable, strange ways, um, not too mystical, but just kind of strange and, and unexpected for me. I, 
I didn't expect like the relevance of my earlier evangelical. I I really put it behind me, and yet there was maybe something always in the back of my head thinking that this was that was still part of the elaborate unconscious plan that I have for my own life to, to for things to come full circle and and so yeah so in some ways this is this is probably a, a manifestation of my own kind of mental yearning for this type of intellectual curiosity satisfaction of just spitballing about theological concepts and um and so I haven't spent a lot of time over the last really six years digging uh, deep into any particular theologian or any particular really body of work um, regarding spiritual theological matters. I've really just been reading um, sci-fi and drawing for the last, I mean, just... I don't draw super well. I just have a good time doing it, and and so that has sort of been my, like my recreational time. I I, I've started watching more, um, streaming movies and stuff lately. But, uh, but really, I just uh, I just scroll my phone and and draw and and skim a, a mass market paperback book here and there. Um, but that that said, I uh, over the last. Uh, few weeks, I've really rapidly accelerated my accumulation of uh, my old theological texts, and I've, I've been pouring, kind of pouring through them, but um, really at like a thousand, uh, thousand feet level, because there's just so much to, to re-familiarize myself with, uh, because I'd gone really deep on a few different sort of threads, and then I kind of was inching in the door on a few other maybe theologians and, and different thought movements that were really appealing. And then um, and then <clears throat> things kind of came apart and and I think it was a good healthy process, but it it was, you know, part of the collateral damage from that sort of healthy organic situation um, of of that was really sad for a lot of people but um it it I don't know where I was going with that but um but yeah I I was kind of spat out it felt like it in my mind I felt spat out and I think that was kind of by design I think I had created a unsustainable sort of position for myself but it felt like it was an important one at the time and so I don't really have and, and I I don't feel like I I mean, there are a few things I I can pretty firmly say I regret, um, but um, but at the at the same time I also really I envy the willingness to like I envy my own willingness at that time in my life to defend my positions and to like to die on hills, which I tend to do a lot. It feels like I do a lot less these days. Like I will, uh, but I'm a lot more fragile because I have, you know, friends and uh, I work with a bunch of people at a business that we're all building together, and and so there's just a lot of uh, 
a lot of vulnerabilities that I don't think I really had at that time in my life. Um, even though I think I actually did have them, I just, I felt less attached to them. And I think now I've lived in this town for a few years now and I'm becoming really comfortable um, being a member of a community and building a network of friends that have crazy ideas and, and all sorts of ambition and aspiration. And it's really enlivening kind of moment. And, and so, so I have sort of a different way of, uh, abusing my Christian liberty at this point in my life as I did like four or five years ago. And also I've just fought battles that I feel like in my own way, I've won them like, and, and so therefore I don't need to keep fighting them, which, which really it's kind of the, the, um, the, the Zen concept that most of our problems are uh, of our own devising. We've kind of framed the question wrong in a lot of ways. And I think that's really true of many things in my life. And, um, so I've just begun to ease the tension and I hope that in doing that, I can kind of access, uh, new approaches and new ways of applying what was a really influential way of, um, of, of participating in the Christian story. And so I, I don't exactly know what I mean when I say all that, but that's kind of the reason I'm saying it is because that's what I want to explore and develop in like this new iteration of Theology After Dark, this like five, six, I don't know how many year delayed um, reboot of Theology After Dark. And um, I I really toyed with, like I, I had started other podcasts and called them different things like, um, like, uh, Simul blog. Simul blog was the first blog that I ever made anything under. And, and really it was only like probably like 12 or 15 like blog posts. But for me, that was like a huge body of work because, um, I'm an insane procrastinator and not a person that is, um, naturally blessed. I don't think anyone actually is. I think it all comes down to discipline, but I'm not super disciplined. So there's not a massive body of work. Um, I happen to be in some really interesting spots and, in and witness interesting conversations. And I sort of can't find an approach that is similar to mine really in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, there's so much overlap and that's what the reason I'm, I'm like wanting to re-explore this is because I'm, I'm really connecting deeply with some friends who I have a lot of overlap with theologically, but, n but there's huge parts of, um, how I see things, uh, that I haven't really been able to articulate to these, to this group of friends. And so, and the reason is because it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what the exact reason is. I think it's, it's a hard thing to articulate, like the particular path, um, that I've kind of stumbled into is, it's a strange one. Um, 
but I think there is kind of a common thread, and I think there is some really interesting um, connections to be made that maybe haven't been made yet that I think would kind of reinvigorate people's appreciation for the Christian story. Um, but I, I, I've gone like a long time without really caring, um, without, without being able like to absorb anyone's insults regarding my own spiritual path, which is, you know, obviously can be, is, is very dangerous, likely, like, like that's probably a really dangerous place to put myself where I'm somehow like above critique or something. But for whatever reason, I felt really firmly uh, about the the theological conviction that that I came upon like midway through my adult theological like seeking. And so so I've gone a really long time with with really just developing my own kind of internal way of thinking about stuff. And so I do think, and I guess what I'm saying is that it there's like, there's value because it, the thing kept developing without really uh, having to incorporate what I typically had to deal with, which was like, like massive uh, traumas and blows dealt to my own sense of ego and my own kind of uh, emotional, like, internal well-being I'm just I can I can take things super super sensitively and so so it was weird that I the thing that I broke through on and the thing that I quit um uh, taking too sensitively if if that makes any sense uh, was regarding spiritual matters which should have been the thing that I was most like fragile about but really because in so many ways but but for whatever reason um, it, it, that part of me had been so fortified by what felt like these massive, incredible discoveries within a story, like a, a story that I had sort of written off as like, okay, well, this is probably the, the best story that we have, but you know, like, you know, Christianity. Um, but at the time I, I, I don't think I really saw it as this like, dynamite stick uh to to the sto- the 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 soul that this dynamite stick to like can such a what feels like such an intuitive it it feels like existence itself is brought into question um with the christian story it, it like really challenges some some deep assumptions that and that and that's probably the part that I think is not totally explored um is like the extent to which um Pauline Paul's theology and and I think what Jesus was saying in the parables like the extent to which that really turns everything in our world upside down it's it's really hard to articulate and it's something that it hasn't really dulled, even though that I haven't been actively seeking um, a relationship with God over the last six years in any like deliberated way. Um, I think that's pretty much true, which is more confession, I guess, than anything. But yeah, I think it's the truth, and 
and and the fact that that conviction that that truly Christianity is a dynamite like stick of dynamite in a way that I think is really valuable and in a way that I I think people um so in my mind I'm in conversation with with all sorts of people theologians and thinkers that I really like and one of those people is uh Alan Watts and I think Alan Watts my favorite way to think about Alan Watts is that he says he's an Episcopal uh, evangelist in disguise. Like, like, so he, Alan Watts ends up becoming a, uh, like, Hindu, like, thinker, um, I mean, super, super deep in the water, (laughs) super out there, uh, but in really profound and interesting ways. But, there was uh, there was a part of him that had definitely departed from limiting himself to the christian narrative for insight about how life works and uh how death works and and so uh so there is sort of this dampening of of he he describes jewish theology as really primitive compared to like Hindu theology, and yet, and, and yet, there's an appreciation that that Jesus was tapped into something that is deeply uh, profound and moving, and uh, really turns the world upside down. And I, I think he would agree with that. But um, those are the people that I sort of like have to imagine how they're <clears throat> listening to what I'm saying, which is weird because this is also a really weird format for me just to be sort of like audio essay, audio diary, um, just speaking to myself. Uh, I've been doing, like I did sort of a practice run. Well, what in retrospect I'm calling a practice run, but at the time it was sort of the presented St. Francis Herald podcast. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to publish this to St. Francis Herald, but it's going to be the Theology After Dark show on St. Francis Herald. So I have this super convoluted, complicated system that is probably so complicated that it's all going to fall apart <clears throat> in a couple weeks because I can't even figure out what the hell I'm trying to do. But the point is um, I published those, and uh, but those were all interview-based, and so there was not really any just me talking into the microphone. But for Theology After Dark, sorry, I'm kind of breathing heavy I'm not like I don't I forgot how to be in podcast position but for this podcast I felt like the weird spiritual narrative has has been uh like the evangelical it's just been such a convoluted story in my own head like as I think of it personally and so there is this deep desire to externalize it and figure out um like where it goes from here and and that's where I'm at right now so I mean like there's there is part of me that's like yeah I could like any day seem it would seem like a good day to plant a church um and yet I have like serious hesitations about that and the main hesitations are am I taking it would I would I be putting myself in a position to take time away from areas where I could have a lot bigger impact and and so that's, I haven't really come to like an answer to that question, but that's kind of where I'm at. 
and so this is sort of an exercise in um, in getting a message out there and, and and what kind of like time commitment is is required to f- for these podcasts to to maybe resemble something that could be a presentation at a church um but also could this just scratch the itch and i don't have to necessarily like start a church because it sounds so miserable to me in in a lot of ways and yet on the other hand like if if it would work if it would come together you know i feel like there'd be like a 20 percent chance that it would just come together and you know like I've got a lot in the noggin that that I feel like I could craft a message each week and, um, you know, accomplish the thing that I think church is supposed to accomplish. Like, I I think I could pull it off um, logistically. It's not, it's, but there's like a 20% chance that I would suddenly come, or there's an 80% chance I would come upon some like deep, existential questions that I can't immediately sort out while keeping the juggling act kind of going, you know, and, and, and so I've, I've been lucky over the last few years that nothing has kind of pushed me over the edge and, and made me, um, run off in a different direction in life because that was a pretty standard default. That was my default, uh, decision-making process, just run off and do something else. Um, and I think that's because I think I like to think of myself as being an agile thinker and, and able to kind of do different stuff. And the truth is, I mean, I've gone kind of deep in some different areas, but I've really used mostly the same skill sets in a lot of my, in a lot of my pursuits. And, um, and there's like things that I'm really convinced I can get a lot better at, and and so, so I guess you know this is a, all of this is an attempt to, uh, kind of get to the next, get to the next move, like, like just just uh, f- kind of force the hand, you know, and and I think like there's two ways. Okay, so like that gets into like how we think about accomplishment in our own life and um and this was something that is kind of was a big orienta- orientation shift for me when I figured it out and it was sort of this idea that um that we have to like create we have to we have to sort of we have to be free enough to take the next step like you have to feel detached enough from what you're doing and who you are too in order to like get into the next step you have to like let go of what you've of the of the step that you're on you know to like get to the next step i mean and so in kind of a in kind of a perverted not a perverted in, in that but in kind of a a different way of thinking about it would be like when you push all your chips in at the poker table and you're risking it all and it's like boom that moment of okay well this is where I'm at right now but if I want to get to that next step I sort of have to be willing to let all this go which like on a step you know if you're really applying the metaphor there to take a step might be risky you might slip and fall 
like like all this can happen you know if you just stand where you are then then you're you're there's no threat to like you know no, there's less of a threat to you really being knocked off and have to go back a few steps or whatever or f fall down the stairs completely you know so so it's like really what clicked for me was that you know I was free and I was allowed to detach myself from from my accomplishments like to count it as loss in order to move forward and so like I don't think I'm saying this in a way to really convey what I'm what I'm what I think is an interesting insight and what I think is an interesting insight is that there's like a common way of thinking about Christianity that that puts so much emphasis on which step you've ascended to that you don't you end up not really having the freedom to climb more steps and and so I guess it's like and I think there is this fear of our personalities developing you know like too much like beyond recognition or like developing towards our worst impulses and and towards like so you know the Christians would be terrified of of developing into the godless heathens that maybe they secretly know they want to become and and they're thinking man if we just like if I just let let loose and like set myself free I would just absolutely descend into madness and chaos but 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 really like the christian proclamation comes to this place where the question is a little bit more um yeah about well, what happens like uh and so i think gerhard ferdy says what are you going to do now that you don't have to do anything and i think that um i think that's where i'm at in my life right now is uh I sort of submitted myself to the yoke of slavery of, uh, and I say that, but I'm not working, um, I'm, I'm not like working myself to a pulp or anything of the sort. Um, but the point being, um, I submitted myself to, to focus a lot on getting my vocational ambitions in order, getting those like aligned with what I, I think I might want to accomplish, you know, and, and to me, uh, frankly, the vocation of, of being in any little Christian bubble was, was suffocating in, in my mind. Although now I think there is a lot more of a movement, um, towards like having, you know, your online presence and, and kind of like, and there was at the time, and in my mind at the time, like when we were starting Theology After Dark and we had this website and this blah, 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 it was like, it it seemed like, man, yeah, we're really going to, like, get to where we're trying to go. Um, but uh, but I, I think we were, I don't know, I don't know exactly why it didn't get to where we wanted to go. We obviously just were... I mean, I I think my life was really in transition at the time, and I was really trying to figure out what happened next, what happens next, and so that was taking a lot more energy than I think I had. But also, like, I just had to pause the public development of that narrative because, man, things were getting so wonky so fast. It was really hard to to tell uh, what was true and what was false, 
within our own little world and and it would have been cool to be like at this point and you know on episode freaking whatever 9000 or something uh, not quite that many i don't think maybe a couple hundred a year a couple hundred maybe a hundred a year maybe 50 a year i don't know but who who knows where we'd be at maybe episode 300 or something and uh, and it seems cool to imagine but man i was so so tired of of trying to talk to to any christian in those communities i had fun uh talking to tullian i had some friends uh but man uh, trump coming into office like really radicalized some friends and it was just like i wasn't i wasn't going <laughs> to i wasn't at all interested in uh, not that there was any risk of this but but yeah, I just I I couldn't really bring on people that in my mind like had any sympathy towards somebody that that to me and and really my my like it, I'm just as critical I I'm probably going to grow a lot more vocally critical of Biden, um, but I'm just as critical of Biden's administration's approach to um, cannabis and uh, the war on drugs. Uh, particularly just because that's such a grotesque uh, feature of the government and really underlies so many of the brutality issues that we're dealing with today and like and just traffic stops in general like at some point we have to like take these things seriously and uh i okay well i i grew really tired of of the like Christian ability to exempt themselves from uh, from weighing in when when maybe uh, I I don't know I I don't care if people don't want to talk about things that's fine um, I'm just I'm not super interested in anyone who's who who gives a nod to uh, to the, such such a racket like the war on drugs in general. Um, it's it's just so bad and there's so many people involved and and there's so many people in on the racket and it's created so many so many problems but um that doesn't that doesn't it doesn't need to be the main focus of this podcast but like i th i think i was gearing up towards the later episodes of theology after dark which i, I mean i haven't i probably never listened listened back to them after i edited them 7 years ago but um like i'm i'm sure they were uh, I, I think towards the end, I was getting really, I was really itching to, to get into the Christian approach to, um, to drugs, to cannabis, to, um, other things and other ways of, uh, of exploring the world. And, and so this is probably where it gets really touchy and probably where, a lot of people are willing to just completely detach with the whole conversation. Um, but you know, I, I've had, uh, instances and, in, in people and folks close to me, uh, dealing with, uh, really tough problems that, um, and, and like, and I grew up in this culture that had this super hard stance on, uh, the consumption of, of, um, like pain relieving or, you know, anxiety relieving, um, 
medicines, like even though they were self-medicating and even though a lot of times the the self-medication was, was also like a self-intoxication, you know, um, but nonetheless, this was an attempt to, to relieve suffering. And so to dismiss out of hand a nuanced approach to uh, how folks relieve suffering is <clears throat> anti-Christian to me. It's not, it's, it's not the way of like empathy or understanding. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. That's that's all I probably need to say about that. Um, although, like, I, I think in this next phase of theological expression that I'm moving towards, I hope to, I hope to like broach some of these really tense issues like this because I think they're really important, and I don't think anybody wants to talk about them, like particularly. <clears throat> from the Christian side of, of the conversation. Like I, I don't, I, I see like fear and I've seen that for a really long time within the church of, of actually dealing with these, with, with these conversations. And I think it's kind of insane because like on one hand, I'm just thinking, man, if, if the Christians were smart enough to, to align themselves with uh, it's there's a lot of approaches and there's a lot of uh, carryover momentum from uh, an age that that I think was a very brainwashed age um, by and large and and like you know but as far as a lot of people are concerned that's my opinion and that's not how things are so <coughs> so I hope to. Um, explore a lot of that and that to me is kind of the future of the Christian conversation um, I think th that people need to be willing to talk about really uncomfortable things because I think it's underestimated the extent to which um, us thinking of other folks that are in our community or even folks outside of our community that are, uh, like thinking that there's an inherent, uh, something to be despised inherently in certain folks because of whatever behavioral defects or whatever it is. It's like, it's just not a good way to preach the gospel and it's not an effective way to preach the gospel and it's not good news to anybody honestly, um, it's not good news to the Pharisee if, if, if you told him, yeah, go ahead and, and continue comparing yourself to others around you and feeling really good about it. That's not actually good news. That will ultimately lead to the despair of the Pharisee when he realizes that, that that's just a really sad way of navigating through, uh, the years that we have on earth. So, Anyway, um, I think I'm kind of getting to a stopping point. This was like, I really wanted to stick to like an introductory, just kind of like stream of consciousness uh, where I'm at spiritually. And so hopefully next week I can talk about, um, I can talk about getting involved with Darren Patrick at The Journey in St. Louis 
and I think that there's a lot of interesting stories to tell there, and uh, I really, uh, I really miss Darren, and um, I hope his family is, is hanging in there, um, and uh, so anyway, thank you for listening to Theology After Dark, um, this was the first episode of the new Theology After Dark, even though I'm probably just going to call it Theology After Dark, because I doubt Rich will care at all, or any other stakeholders. Okay, I'm coming up on 45 minutes, at least in my clock, but I'll probably take all the coughs out, so it'll be a little bit less than that, and I hope it's enough, and I think next week I'm going to try to like read some passages. I thought about doing it this week, but... I feel like I've rambled on enough, and so thank you again for listening. Come back next week. Hopefully I'll have another one posted. Thank you.